Amen. Take one more step <clears throat> and stay in the race. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight as I uh, work to be the under-shepherd and uh, work to love and to help our church tonight. I pray that you'd bless the truth, uh, bless the preaching, and easily uh, may it be presented in a way that it can be easily understood and easily applied in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse number six is the text verse, and I'll review the story in just a moment. And the Bible says in verse number six, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I want to preach tonight a message that I preach often. Never have I preached this outline but a truth that I preach often that all of us, every single person, needs to be reminded of, and that is a message on overcoming offenses. Overcoming offenses. So many people tonight are out of the will of God. Uh, they're out of church without peace and joy because they could not overcome an offense. Uh, they couldn't help it, they couldn't keep it from coming, but they just can't get victory uh, over that offense. And sometimes it is someone, and sometimes that offense is God himself, a misunderstanding of what God is doing in their life. And I want to uh, preach tonight a message that will help us to overcome because only those who overcome offenses are those that enjoy victory in the Christian life. Now, I'll say that again throughout the message. Only those who can overcome offenses. You're not going to keep offenses from coming. But only those who can overcome offenses will enjoy victory in the Christian life. This story is about John the Baptist, the actual forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ and a great man. In fact, Jesus said he was the greatest preacher uh, that ever preached. And yet John, uh, he is working on overcoming being offended. Uh, the story deals with about 15 verses here. And I'll divide those and help us to understand the passage and then give us the truth of the message. In verses 1 through 3, John makes a request. John makes a request of the Lord Jesus. In verses 4 through 6, we have his reply. We have the reply to the request. And then verses 7 through 15 the Lord Jesus gives a recognition, and uh, that's an outline of those uh, verses in three different words. Let me walk through those and walk through these verses. First of all, there is a request. Let's look at it, Matthew 11, verse number 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence uh, to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, during this time, while he and the disciples are going about the earthly ministry, uh, John is in prison. John is locked up in prison. So uh, the disciples are free. Uh, Jesus is free. He has a meeting with the disciples, and uh, they're going about the ministry. Verse number 2, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? 
Now that's an odd question for a man who said this is the one we've been looking for. Uh, this is a man that said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He sends a word to Jesus, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Uh, first of all, I want to point out that John has not been in a prison just a few hours or a few days. John's been in prison probably a few months. Look at chapter 4, if you will, of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, and look down at verse number 12. Matthew 4 and verse number 12, and notice what the Bible says in these words, uh, 4.12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. So this is some time before. Uh, this is months before, and Jesus knows uh, that John is in prison. Now, John had preached the coming of Jesus uh, the Christ. He was preaching a message, of course, it declared, uh, was declared as the forerunner, and he was preaching a message, and I want you to get this, a message of judgment and a message of purging. Let's read some of his sermon in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, chapter 3, this is just before uh, he goes into prison. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, notice in verse number 7. Uh, verse number 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, This is a real greeting, O generation of vipers, <laughs> a generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Now, he is saying Jesus' coming is also going to become a coming, are you listening to me? A coming of wrath. Verse number 5, Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Boy, John, he is really preaching here and he is really getting with it and he's preaching a message of judgment. He said in verse number 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly or throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He preaches a message of judgment, but when you look at the works of Christ during this time, Jesus has a ministry of mercy rather than judgment. It's a dawn preach. That's sin. That's sin against God, and Jesus is coming, and I'm telling you, when he comes, uh, uh, there's going to be a judgment. He's going to separate the wheat uh, from the chaff. And uh, they took John, they threw him in prison. Now, when he hears of the preaching of Christ, it is not preaching of judgment. It is preaching of mercy. And so John asked the question, fellas, I want you to go find where Jesus is, and I want you to ask him, art thou he that should come, 
or do we look for another? Is there somebody else coming that I've been prophesying and preaching about that's different than you? Verses 4, 5, and 6, we have a reply to his request. And the reply is that Jesus assures the servants of John and he encourages John's faith. Now if you compare this reply with Luke chapter 7 and verse number 18, you will see that John's disciples were giving him reports of Christ healing ministry and I want you to look at the wording in verse number 4 Jesus answered and said unto them go and show John what's the next word go and show John again those things which you do hear and see this is not the first time that he sent word to John John I am doing exactly as the father sent me to do so Again, he is assured, again, he is assured that Jesus is doing what he came to do. And so he encourages John. Uh, Jesus says in verse number 6 then, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now listen closely to this part of the message. Sometimes we understand the what of God but we do not understand the how or the when, the why or the way. We understand the promise. We understand the principle. We know that we don't know to do how he is going to do it. Uh, we don't know in what way God is going to do it. And sometimes we suppose things that we should not suppose about God. We have to make a decision. He loves me. He saved me. I can trust him even though I don't understand what he is doing. We know what he promises and we understand what he promises. But sometimes we say, Lord, why did it have to be this way? Uh, why did it have to be now? And that was the case of John the Baptist. Now, Isaiah had prophesied not only about Jesus, but he had prophesied about the fact that he would be a stumbling block or an offense to some. I read to you from Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14, And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of a stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin, and for the word G-I-N there means a trap, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Not only were there folks in the days of Christ, there are folks now angry at God. They're angry at God because they don't agree with how he does his business. They don't agree with what he does and they're angry with him. And Isaiah said he will be a stumbling to some. Then in his response he makes the statement, blessed is he. Now the word blessed, you've heard me talk about it often, it means happy, happy. The person who can overcome an offense is the only person that will have victory in the Christian life. Sometimes that offense is against a brother or sister. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I make me mad sometimes. 
Sometimes I offend myself. Sometimes I say, why in the world did you do that? How did that come out of your mouth? Why did you say that? And sometimes you'll say, well, you need to get your brain in gear before you put your mouth in gear. We all do that, don't we? And then uh, there are times that we're offended, not another. Ourselves, 7 through 15, Jesus gave a recognition of John and to the crowd. I'll not read through this, but he simply says, hey, John is not a reed that's easily swayed or shaken by the wind. He at wind, he is a man of convictions. John wasn't a celebrity that came to enjoy fame and luxury. John was a servant willing to suffer for Christ. And John overcame being offended in Christ. So often we allow offense to cause us to separate from the sources of the strength that we need. So often we allow offense. Folks get offended at church and they quit church. And, 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 and I'm not making light of offenses. If you love there's a possibility. If you, if you care, there's a possibility of being offended. It, it, it's just a part of life. It's a part of life. And we have to understand there are times that we have to just overcome an offense or we're not going to enjoy the victory that God wants us to have. The culture that we live in, it seems like they wake up every morning offended and waiting to see who it is that they're offended at today. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be easily offended. I don't want to live in offense. I don't want to live in hurt. I don't want to live as though everybody is against me. I don't want to be like the fellow who thought the whole world a stunk. He, he just said the world stinks. And they said, no, the world doesn't stink. It's that Limburger cheese you've got in your mustache that makes you think that way. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to live in offense. I want to live in victory. I want to give you five statements right here. I'm going to repeat them again. If you write them down, if you miss some of them, I'll repeat them and with a little more detail in the end. First of all, recognize when you're offended and what you're offended at. Just recognize it. Go ahead and face it. Say it out loud. Say it to yourself. Say it to God. You know, that really offended me. And number two, keep serving while you're offended. Just keep serving while you're offended. Uh, most of the time I don't understand, and such was the case with John. Uh, John, he just wanted to know, are you the Christ or is there another? Are we supposed to look for someone else? Are you the one that was going to bring judgment everywhere you go? Uh, you heal the sick and you, uh, you uh, uh, give mercy and you give grace. I haven't seen you judge anybody yet, and here I am in prison for doing right, and they're free doing wrong, and you're forgiving them. That's how it seemed to John. Now, John, uh, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He just asked the question, I want to say, keep serving while offended. Number three, understand that offense is a tool of Satan. God never uses offense. Offense is never helpful. Now, all of us, I've been offended. I, 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 I have because I care and I care deeply. I love, I love deeply. I care about folks. And sometimes uh, my feelings are hurt and violated. I, I, I don't want that to happen, but, but it just does. That's the way it is. And so I say number three, understand that offense is always a tool of Satan. And uh, he uses that. Number four, believe that you can overcome the offense. Believe that you can. Believe that you can because you can overcome the offense. You can. You can. 
and uh, you can. Number five, get past, getting past offense is needed over and over again. I've been offended before, I'll be offended again. I got over it before, I'll get over it again. I just have to accept that. Now, how different would life have been for Lot had he not allowed the arguing of the herdsmen to separate he and Uncle Abraham? How different would his life have been? Because they were offended at the arguing of the herdsmen, Abraham said, if you want, go whatever way you want. You pick whatever land you want, and I'll take the rest. Uh, you, just, you have whatever you want. And the Bible says that Lot, he made a practical decision, not a spiritual decision. He chose the well-watered plains of Sodom, and he ended up in Sodom, and he lost everything he had. It would have been better had he got over the fence, a fence and stayed with Uncle Him. Now, now, I've seen the woman had to get over the offense of Elisha not coming out to see him. Now, now I've seen this happen. Uh, you know the story, Naaman had leprosy, and the uh, little maid of Israel said, if you could just get to the man of God, he can heal you. So he goes to the house of Elisha, and uh, Elisha doesn't even come out to see him, sends a servant out, and he says, go tell him to dip in the Jordan River seven times. He's offended that Elisha doesn't come out. Sometimes we're offended that way. Sometimes you go see a doctor and you see a secretary. Sometimes you go to see a lawyer and you, 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 you see the janitor. I, I mean, that, 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 that's life. Things like that happen. I, I, I mean, they just, they, they just happen in life. And he was angry at Elisha. Then he got angry that he had to go to the Jordan River. And he said, why can't I just go down to one of the clean rivers? You know the story. And he had everything reason you want to say to Naaman, look, if you already knew how to do it, what would you bother Elisha for? And he was wroth. He was mad. He was angry. And his servant, the Bible calls him a servant in one verse, calls him a son in the other. And he said, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. You still have leprosy. Why don't you just do what he said? He did what he said, went down to the Jordan River, dipped seven times. Girls, listen to me. Hey, hey, listen to me. And he came up out of the river and he was whole. He was clean. You know why? He had to get over his offense. Now, where would he be had he stayed offended? He would have died of leprosy. He would have died of leprosy. I look back over my Christian life. There have been, been many times that I have been offended and, 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 and I laugh at times now, but they were a big deal to me. I played uh, the piano or organ in church when I was a boy until I went to college. I played the piano for a few years. I played the organ for a few years. And, and uh, we were having a conference uh, one year. And uh, the way we did the invitation, uh, my dad would end the sermon and he would pray. And during prayer, uh, we did, we do as uh, we did then. And I would come to the piano. And after he said amen, I would begin to play the invitation song that had been chosen. I began to play that softly until he said for the song director to go ahead and sing. 
And so uh, Dr. Robertson finished his sermon. He prayed, and while he was praying, I came from my seat. I went to the piano. When he said amen, I started playing the piano, uh, the invitation song softly, just like we did every week. And Dr. Robertson, he smacked his finger. It sounded like a, 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 a thunder. And he pointed his finger at me. He said, don't play that piano. He said, I'll tell you when to play. He said, don't play it until I tell you to play. Now, my teenage heart said, if you want it played, you can play it yourself. That's what my teenage heart said. I was offended. I was embarrassed in front of all of those couple hundred people. But I realized he's a good man. In fact, he's a great man. He's a man of God. I need to just follow instruction. I did not want to lose my respect and admiration, and I didn't. In fact, when I graduated from high school, I went to college at Tennessee Temple University where Dr. Robertson was a chancellor. My dad and mom did not help my offense at all. They just simply said, son, you need to do what you're told when you're told to do it. Yes, sir. In fact, my dad, he offended me sometimes publicly. I'd be playing and I'd mess up in, in uh, uh, playing a song and my dad would just say right in front of God and everybody, you need to practice a little bit this week, son. That didn't help you go any, not at all. Overcome offense will have victory and close in a conference on a Tuesday night. I was excited about Dr. Malone coming. How many of you knew and heard Dr. Malone preach? Raise your hand. Dr. Malone, he's been in heaven some time now. Just a wonderful, great preacher, built a great work in Pontiac, Michigan. I was excited that he was coming. He called me and he said, now, uh, I'm going to be preaching first on Monday night. I said, no. I said, Dr. Malone, you're scheduled to preach second on Tuesday night. He said, if I preach, I'm preaching first on Monday night, then I'm leaving. My flesh is just like yours. I thought, well, I'll preach or let somebody else preach. You just don't even have to come. That's, I didn't say that to him. That's what I thought. I just said, yes, sir. He was getting up in years. I later found out his wife was sick. In fact, she was dying. He wanted to be a blessing to me, and that was the only time he could come. He came down and he preached, and then he went right back to take care of his wife. You see, if we let those things offend us, we lose a source of strength that we need. Dr. Howells came here to preach for us, and he and I became fast friends. I enjoyed talking to him. I enjoyed him answering my questions. And I remember he was here in December, and then I saw him again at a conference in the spring. And I just walked up and talked to him as, like I did when he was here, and he just near ignored me. He offended me. I tried the second time to talk to him. And, and, and he, he just spoke to me, and he went right on. And as a young preacher that was not very smart, the devil caused me to get offended at him. I said, I'm not going to have any more conferences. I'm not going to have these big shot preachers. We just won't have any more. I thought, that's, that's a real smart thing to do. Just quit. You won't lose anymore, but you'll never win again either. 
I'm, I'm just telling you that life is full of offenses. There are some times I look back in life and I think, how, how could I have been that dumb? I mean, somebody had to help me be that dumb. I couldn't have been that dumb by myself. I sat down with Jim Vineyard. I needed help with my schedule. I was tired. I was overwhelmed. He threw my paper back across the table and said, get up earlier. Now, if I had not gotten over my offenses, I'd be a failure in the Christian life. Let me tell you where I really got offended. I got a call while I was in Bible college that my dad had cancer age 38. I'd watched my dad feed the hungry. I'd watched him clean up and buy clothes for the drunks. I'd watched my dad take what he had and give it to others that were in need. I'd seen him do that. My dad had cancer. I'll just tell you, I was offended at God. When I got word, I went home from my work and I went to my dorm, 1600 Bailey Avenue, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I walked down the sidewalk and I said, God, this isn't fair. I don't understand. Nobody cares about the, they're folks that nobody cares about. They don't care about anybody else. And yet my dad is preaching and winning people to Christ. I don't understand this. By the way, I still don't understand it, but i tell you what I do understand. God does know what's best. And I've learned that if I live in offense, I'll never have victory in my life. Satan uses imaginations and exaggerations that are dishonest. The devil is a deceiver. He is a liar. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us we must cast down the imaginations. It was a good day for me when I accepted the fact that life isn't fair. I live in a sinful world and my flesh sides with the world. And this world around me is unfair and mean. And I, I, I look at what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and not just there, but other parts of the world and it didn't fare. All of that is a result of sin and the work of the devil. If we're not careful, we'll say, I'm just going to give up and sit down and wait for Jesus to come. If I do that, the devil's going to be glad because that'll keep me from putting my offense aside. I must put my feelings aside and say, I must do what God wants me to do. So I repeat these statements and I'm finished. Number one, recognize when you're offended and what you're offended at. Number two, keep serving and working even while you're offended. Just keep going. Just keep going. I remember I didn't want to play the piano the next week after Dr. Robertson came to our church. I didn't want to play. I didn't feel like playing. I didn't want to be offended again. I had the idea somebody's going to embarrass me every time I tried to play. But that wasn't true. That was an imagination. That was an exaggeration. And so I had to keep serving and working while I'm offended. Number three, understand that offense is a tool of Satan. God would never have me be offended at Brother Young and that help our Christian life. That's not God doing that. That's not the Holy Spirit doing that. That would be the devil. Right? The devil wants offenses to come. That, that the devil always uses offenses. Now we have to understand, it's not wrong to be offended, but we can't foster those. We have to get over them. We're going to be hurt. We're going to misunderstand. Number four, believe that you can overcome that offense because you can. 
And then last of all, I say it again, decide to get past the offense and have victory in life. I make this statement. Only those who can overcome offenses enjoy victory of the Christian life. Take your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to close with this too. I've got two closings. Mark chapter 4, verse 17. One closing brought me closer to this closing. Mark 4, 17, this verse. Look at Mark 4, 17. This is the parable of the sower. The Bible says in verse number 17, And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You know what he's telling me? If I get offended quickly, if I get offended quickly, I need to develop my character and understanding. Telling them you're sorry won't hurt you any more than you hurt them by offending them. won't hurt you any more. Let's, let's enjoy the Christian life. Families offend one another. We all do. Thank God. We can overcome that. We can keep on serving him. Stand with me if you will. Thank you for listening well tonight.